Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Today we have a first ever for this show. We're not talking about music. We're not talking about a movie or a TV show. We're talking about a video game. PlayStation's 2018 God of War. Let's go. I take my next flag Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, where we take a look at art from pop culture and uncover the true, good, and beautiful elements found therein. Let's get started. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism. Uh, if you would like to support the shows like Pop Culture Catechism on Awaken Catholic, we have a few ways that you can do that. Uh, first of all, you can join the Awaken Nation. You can make a donation on a recurring basis, and uh, that helps keep the lights on. That helps keep the studio running, and uh, we appreciate every little bit that people can give. You can go to awakencatholic.org slash donate to do that. You can also... Uh, download the Awaken app. We have an app now, uh, and there's a, a f you can even without being part of the Awaken Nation, you can get a lot of great content there. And then if you are part of the Awaken Nation, there's premium content there as well. Uh, you can also support us by downloading the Hallow app. If you don't know about Hallow, it's a great Catholic meditation app. It has the rosary, as Lexio Divina. If you've been looking for a way to jumpstart your prayer life, it's awesome. I know lots of people that use it and they love it. My wife uses it every night. So you can go to hallow.app slash awaken and get a free week of premium, right? Free week of premium? Free month, Free Mike. month free of premium. Month. And actually, what? that free month is the part that helps us. So if you get the free month of the premium access, you're helping out Awaken. That is amazing. Yeah. And of course, you can help us out with your likes and subscribes on YouTube and your shares, um, you know, subscribe on, on the podcast app, give us a rating, give us a review, all that helps spread the show. If somebody you know loves uh, God of War, this topic, just, you know, send it to them in a text or something like that. And that helps us out a lot. So I think that's, I think I got it all. I think you nailed it. All right. beautiful. Nailed it. Today, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about a video game. We haven't done this before. And my guests here today, I have uh, the second best looking Taylor I've ever seen in my life. Uh, not Taylor Swift would be the first, but Taylor Schroll. I thought you were going to say Taylor Marshall. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about him. <clears throat> I, do, I do have a cousin who's a, a Taylor. I should probably throw her in there too. She's, she's, she's beautiful as well. But we have the beautiful bearded Taylor Schroll with us today from Forte Catholic. Welcome, Taylor. Boy, every time I'm a guest on a show, uh, the intros get weirder and weirder. <laughs> so thank you. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> awesome. And I also have with me the president of the United States of America. False. He just won an election. False. Nick De La Torre. <laughs> He's the president of Awakened Catholic, not the United States of America. But that was president a good 90s elect. band. <laughs> so, <laughs> President-elect of Awakened Catholic. Oh <laughs> Hopefully uh, by the time this airs, all that's just smoothed over. And, oh my gosh, yeah. that'd be great. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> We're recording this like right after the election, so we're, everyone's crazy with election fever. Yep. Enough about that. Let's talk about um, God of War. Actually, before we do that, Taylor, can you just – you do so many things, but tell the beautiful people um, who you are and a little bit about what you do. I'm Taylor Schroll. I'm a husband of one and father of three. One time I got those flipped in a public <laughs> talk, and I didn't realize it, and people stared at me strange for 30 minutes, and I didn't know why. Uh, but that that is still the case. They're uh, all locked in a room uh, farthest away from here where I record at my house. This is the Forte Catholic International Studios. It might look good here, but all over there. 
is a water heater and some alcohol. So that's what's going on here. I am. I used to be a Catholic speaker and worship leader until 2020 happened, and then all that got stopped. Um, we totally get that. Yeah. yeah. That's why so, I started the podcast. So. Yeah, exactly. So now I am the uh, president and founder of Forte Catholic. I started doing that full-time uh, in April, and I've been working on it for about four years. And it's a, a nonprofit, and I uh, mostly do stuff like this, uh, digital uh, entertainment and evangelization. I run a podcast called Forte Catholic that is a comedy Catholic podcast. And, uh, you know, try to do some other things. I'm not great at any one thing, so I have to do a thousand to look like I'm decent at one. And you you are also one of the only – I mean, there, there are many Catholic speakers who, who – you know, do podcasts and that sort of thing. You're one of the only ones I know who is, uh, who is a streamer. Also you stream video games. Oh, I thought you were going to say well. good at it, but <laughs> you're the only one that's good. The rest suck, including me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but you, you stream video games as, as well on, on your YouTube channel. So yes, very unsuccessfully, but I have some, I have some fun. With nice. Well, you know, if the stream goes live and it doesn't crash, you're doing it successfully. There you go. Well, it crashes just about every other time. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Nick, president of Awaken Catholic, anything else that you want the beautiful people to know about you? Uh, well, the relevancy of my being here is that I, too, am a gamer. Nice. I guess that would be the only other mm -hmm. detail. I mm -hmm. love, uh, ever since I was a kid, I've loved video games. And now as an adult, I play them far less, uh, but, but I play them. Yeah. We're also joined by Monty the cat on the couch over here. I don't know if you can see. I think Monty. he's just off camera. Just off camera. But Monty is there. Napping. Occasionally you'll see me reach over and pet. I'm not petting the couch. I'm petting the cat. <laughs> Good <laughs> clarification. Yep. Uh, so before before we get into the, the topic at hand, I kind of – there are some people that don't like video games. Probably you've heard this as, as an adult gamer uh occasionally you will come across somebody who gives an opinion something like oh adults shouldn't play video games that's for little kids that's a waste of time why don't you get out and do something yeah. uh, with your life um and as three fairly well-adjusted adult holy men i'll speak for you guys but um <laughs> thank you <laughs> is that <laughs> like what's what's your give me your video game apologetic just first of all that was very generous of you you're super holy <laughs> no Taylor, do you have an apologetic for video games? Whatever. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, I thought you were talking about you two and Colleen. I didn't have any part of that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Colleen is the best of us, for sure. Mm -hmm. She's uh, run, running the production desk. Thank you, Colleen. So uh, what's your video game apologetic? What, what would you say? Like, what is the good in... Uh, is, it, is it justified for adults to play video games? Is it even a good thing? Well, it'd be strange if I said no, since I spent so much time doing it, <laughs> especially publicly. But... Uh, yeah, it's 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 like alcohol. Like you know, we were just talking about alcohol. That's right? exactly what I was going to bring up first. And yeah, like it's good in moderation. Obviously, too much of it. Uh, you don't get drunk playing video games, but you might as well because you're wasting time doing that sort of, that sort of thing. And uh, I think it is pretty similar to, to a lot of people struggle with alcohol because as somebody who plays video games a lot of time, a lot of times I do it. Most of the time, I do it in a healthy way. And then there are some days where it's just like, wow, uh, I that's all I did today, you know, and like I, I messed it up. Uh, but messing you know messing it up doesn't mean you know, if you drink too much one time, doesn't mean you can never drink again. Yeah. It means you just kind of have to recalibrate. And I think that's how games are. For me, it's um, you know, well, a lot of times it's older people saying, oh, those are mm -hmm. bad. It's just like, bud, like like my dad would come home from work and spend four hours in front of the TV and then go mm -hmm. to sleep. It's like, like, why is video games any different? You yeah. know, like mm -hmm. it's just your choice of entertainment. Entertainment's good. Leisure's good. Uh, stress relief is good. Uh, I, for me, like 
I'm in a town I didn't grow up in. A lot of my community is online and playing video games. Mm -hmm. right? It's not the only community I have, but like one of my best friends is a priest who lives in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. and we literally built our friendship off of playing video games together. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I would say um, I love that you brought up the alcohol analogy. I think that um, <clears throat> that literally this the whole question of video games to me has become so like um, the the term and the idea of it is has become pigeonholed as this like uh, you're almost like a degenerate if you waste your life playing video games and, rather than being productive in society. And I think that you know a lot of people play video games for a lot of different reasons. So for, for some people, it's the networking and, and the social element of it. Like you played with that priest in Pittsburgh um, and maybe you still do and you maintain a relationship through that. I have played with friends online. For me though, my primary reason is I love the stories and I love the beautiful scenery and the, the beautiful aesthetics. So like I love games like Skyrim and God of War is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. um, and so to me, I would ask anyone that would challenge this notion of video games, I would say, okay, have you ever read a novel? And how much time did you waste reading that novel, engulfing yourself in that world? Waste. And, yeah, <laughs> waste. Right, exactly. With air quotes, um, if you're just listening. Um, I just think that for me, 90% of the time I'm playing a video game for the story. And how is that any different than reading a, a fantasy novel or something? And then you might say that, you know, people that love reading and, and know the science of reading and the way that it triggers your synapses and whatever, like, great. I'm using my hand-eye coordination and I'm, I'm triggering my own mind in different ways. And a lot of these video games like God of War have a lot of puzzles in them. Like, so yeah, I'm doing the same thing. What else you got? You know, I, I just don't see that there's any real substance or, or credence. Um, there's no weight behind a lot of the arguments that are made until you get into this question of, um, you know, moderation, like having virtue, being a virtuous pers person. And are you doing anything in a way that is unvirtuous. You can literally read books in a way that is unvirtuous, yep. right? If you're a parent with your kids and all you do is read and you're ignoring them, not playing with them, not feeding with, not feeding them. I don't know who's doing that, but, mm -hmm. but if that were you, like that would be unvirtuous in the same exact way that doing that with video games would be. Yeah. I don't know the, the, you know, brain science of it all, but I got to believe that playing video games is more, is better for your brain. More better. I was going to say it's better. <laughs> Clearly it's, not. I, I'm more better. Cause I play video games is, um, <laughs> is better for your brain than watching TV. Oh yeah. Like, watching TV is way more passive. So. And I bet like half the people that are obsessed with like late night talk shows or watching whether it's CNN or Fox news, like those are the same people that are going to like put down playing video games. And it's mm -hmm. like, but yeah. You're, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just echo what you guys said. Uh, Taylor, like you said, a lot of your friendship and community, uh, happens with video games. Like my, my wife is a nurse and works a lot of nights and I have the kids. And then when I put the kids down, like a lot of times, the only, uh, especially during quarantine, the only time I get to hang out with friends is uh, my cousin has a PS4 and my best friend who lives in California has a PS4 and we're in three different time zones, but we can get together and, you know, play Fortnite or whatever. <laughs> and that's, I, I get a guy's night out of that. Otherwise I would be at home by myself and I wouldn't have that community. And it's absolutely helped my friendships, sustain these friendships I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and so, you get to go on adventures with and them. And you get to go on adventures with them and do productive things. And, <laughs> We're going on an yeah, adventure. Adventure, yeah. <laughs> Kill Oryx, son of Crota, and all those sorts of things. So, Do you guys ever play Destiny? Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I just pictured uh, uh, Frodo going to kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, smile, yeah. yeah. Bilbo, that was Bilbo, happy. right? I think it was Bilbo. Oh, was it? No, all no, no, no. That would have been um, Sam or, no, because um, Bilbo didn't go with him. Boy, no, in, in the Hobbit, he says, I'm going oh, on in the an Hobbit. adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Anyway, that's another podcast. We'll do Lord of the Rings some other time. <laughs> Let's actually talk about God of War. So uh, I'll, 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 for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, um, we can put the, the picture up on the screen. God of War is a 2018 PS4 exclusive game, and this is part of a larger franchise, which I didn't actually know, but this has been part of a franchise that's been going since PS2, mm-hmm. right? So 10, 15 years almost, and there were... Um, on the PS2, there was God of War, God of War 2, and then on the PS3, uh, there was uh, something called God of War Ascension, which was like the prequel story, and then God of War 3. Uh, so there have been four God of War games and even some some, thing, some other – I think there was like a text-based game and a, oh, I never a, saw a that. PSP handheld game as well. So there's been a lot. Um, and when I was thinking of, of who to have as the guest, you were one of the people that said, oh, you got to try God of War. And then Taylor, I knew you were a gamer and I was like, and we had talked about you coming on the show. I was like, all right, this would be the perfect thing for Taylor. And then when I, when I texted you and was like, have you ever played God of War? What you sent me in response was <laughs> this. So amazing. <laughs> your Halloween costume with your son from last year and your wife. That's, that's, that's amazing. Tell us just a little bit about this costume, if you would. Yeah. So Kratos is the God of War and that's me. And then boy is my boy. boy. <laughs> That's Atreus, uh, Kratos' son. And then my wife is Freya, the witch that they meet. Oh, it's so uh, awesome. Also a god. Oh, you got uh, to call your wife a witch for a whole day. That's great. I did. I did. I had to be very careful how I pronounced that. And we had a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You could say, I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. Um, What's crazy is uh, that night, it was last, uh, last Halloween. And I think the last Halloween we'll ever have because we didn't go trick-or-treating <laughs> oh this year because yeah. the world shut down. But um, we went out last year, and it was 40 degrees, and mm-hmm. I was so committed to that costume. Oh, my gosh. That that was it. I, just, I walked around for two hours without wow. a lot of clothes on. <laughs> That's amazing. What's your wife's name? Uh, Samantha. Samantha. So, um, or actually, I just forgot what I was going to ask. Oh, no. Does, does Samantha play video games? Does she play God of War? She do, uh, she doesn't. She used to play video games before she had kids. One of us has to take care of the kids. While <laughs> Games. So, uh, but like she grew up playing like Final Fantasy and that sort of oh, thing. Oh, wow. Okay. The last video game that she played all the way through by herself was uh, when when my boy was in the womb and I was I was uh, in grad school. She played all the way through Final Fantasy while I was at school and work. So nice. um, now we've just switched roles. <laughs> Got you. So uh, this game centers around uh, Kratos, who is the main character, and his son Atreus. Now, I didn't, I didn't know this, but apparently, in all the previous games, this is sort of a, a soft reboot. Um, but all in the previous games, uh, Kratos is just like this killing machine, right? He's he's just he he was a Spartan soldier in Greece. He's like betrayed by Ares, the god of war, and basically the the premise of all these games is that he just goes around like killing the Greek gods because yeah. he's on a quest for vengeance right there was one instance that he almost turned away from violence um to stay with his daughter in elysium mm-hmm. um it was actually kind of a form of temptation even though that would have been a very understandable move um but he basically had to choose between staying with her in elysium without his powers or mm-hmm. to reclaim his powers to save the world gotcha 
and he ended up deciding to save the world. Yeah. So thank you, Kratos. Thank you, Kratos. <laughs> so in this game, he's it's like 10 years in the future, and he has a son. So people have played this before. They start this game, and it's like, what? He has a son now. Where is he? And he's also no longer in Greece with the with the Greek pantheon of gods. Now he's somewhere in, in Norway or Sweden with all the Nordic gods. So it's like Thor and Odin and, and, and so forth. So it's a to- totally new mythology. Um, and so I, I had no idea about any of this backstory. I was just like, oh, who's this guy? And how does he have these powers? And Atreus is just like, well, he's always been really strong because Atreus doesn't know he's right. a god either. Um, but this game is just beautiful. And what really spoke to me, and I'm and uh, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say, is just the relationship between father and son. I have uh, a young son who's just about a year and a half old, and it's just like the story kind of captures your heart. And it made me think of my relationship with my own father. My and my, my own father was, you know, fought in Vietnam. He was in the military and, and flew helicopters. And um, so there was, I, I de- there were definitely times where I was like, I felt like I was Kratos and, and I was thinking about my son, JP as Atreus. And there were other times where like, I felt like I was Atreus. Oh, my, my dad was, yeah. was Kratos, the war- the warrior who's now learning how to be a father. You know, like that really spoke to my heart in a lot of ways. And this game is just, just beautiful. Um, you can see he's fighting a dragon there. There's some beautiful landscapes there in the snow. So you were very much similar to your experience, Taylor, That's where true. he's naked <laughs> in the snow. I can't see any of this, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, you'll just have to watch them. So, oh. <laughs> so let's talk about um, what do you what do you love about this game? And I'll, I'll, you, either one of you can can go first. Um, what what do you love about this game? What what do you like it? You, Taylor. This it's funny. Uh, whenever you were like, "Oh, we're going to talk about things you loved about this game and some things you didn't like," and I was like, "I'm I can usually do that." This is lit- I've played hundreds of video games. It's my favorite game of all time. So when you're like, "Oh, what do you don't like about this game?" I'm like, "Nothing. I don't know." You know, like this this game is phenomenal. And like primarily, like on a technical level, like you guys have said, it's beautiful. The combat is perfect. The story is perfect. Uh, but like the thing that made it so special for me is what you already brought up. Like the relationship with my father and the relationship with my son. Uh, Cause my son is about the same age as Atreus. Uh, he's seven years old. Atreus is somewhere between us, uh, you know, seven and 10, you know, somewhere in there. And just the relationship that they have and like watching, watching Kratos like deal with his hurt. And like, he, he's just had a, a rough past. He's, uh, he's done terrible things. He said terrible things done to him. Some of the terrible things that he had to do were just because of what was done to him and all this kind of stuff. Um, and watching him deal with that and thinking he's done. Like, I mean, he killed the whole Greek pantheon. He's like, okay, I'm done with that now. I'm going to start a family. And then a whole nother pantheon shows up. It's like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? You know, this is, you got to go through all this again. And like watching how, like, Kratos doesn't know how to be a father. Atreus doesn't know how to have a father and mm. doesn't know how to be a man. And watching them both figure that out together imperfectly uh, and it ultimately leading to good things and continuing to watch them struggle through it and yet grow through it. Uh, Like there were multiple times where I'm playing this game that, like you said, used to just be a beat up just a strong guy beating up people. And now it's a story about fatherhood. Like it's Mm -hmm. unbelievably good story that uh, it meant a lot to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, it's easier to answer the question more broadly about the whole series. Um, I think time and time again, you see Kratos wanting uh, peace. And even even in the earlier games, like as violent as he was and as insane of a warrior as he was, he didn't like 
killing. He didn't like the violence. Like he was always put in situations where he had no choice. And that to me, like I resonate as a, as a person in, you know, 2020 and also not in the fake world uh, that they created um, in the real world. Like we're put in situations all the time that it's like, I, this is yucky. Like, I don't want to make this choice or that choice, but here I am and I have to navigate this and watching him kind of wrestle with that and to try to like, um, make the best out of really crappy situations, A. B, I think that there's something really profound about the idea that, like, he does not have what it takes except for his perseverance and and uh, his he just never gives up. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have what it takes to accomplish what he has to accomplish except that he receives the, the power that he needs to uh, succeed from the gods. And I think about in our, in, our, in our lives, like we don't have what it takes to wake up tomorrow, right? Like yeah. why, why through the pandemic, uh, what, when so many people suffered, like, why are we still here as a society? Why? And through the millions of things that we've experienced as a society over thousands of years, like, how are we still here? And I think about how the grace of God provides and has provided over history and is today in our own lives. Um, and when I think about in like the granular specific ways that I know that to be true for me, I'm just like so moved by like appreciation that I have God mm -hmm. watching my back the way that Kratos had God's watching his back and providing what he needed when he needed it. Um, so I think that was really profound. Um, and then also like even the fact that he has white skin is representative of him having to, him having to live with the guilt of some of his sins. Mm -hmm. So he was actually tricked into by, by uh, the God of the previous God of war, Ares, he was tricked into killing his own family. Mm -hmm. And um, he was cursed then to wear the ashes of his family on his skin. Mm -hmm. And that's why the red skin, no, the white skin, the white skin, the red skin is actually a tattoo to remind him of his brother, uh, huh. Washington football team. We can't say red skin. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that hits, I'm from DC, so that hits deep. <laughs> but just that idea that like we have to live with our consequences, even if we feel like we were um, unjustly treated. Like he did mm -hmm. not want to kill his family; he loved mm -hmm. his wife and his kid. Mm -hmm. But he was put in a situation that was unfair, and he made choices—the choices he made—and he has to live with that now. And I think about like when we make choices, and we think we're doing the best we can. Like that doesn't mean we're doing the right thing. We yeah. we might just be thinking we are, and there's just a lot there. There's so much there. So much there. Yeah. I, I love the, um, I love the relationships in the story. There's such a, the, between father and son, but then, um, uh, Mimir, who's kind of becomes this guide for them. And he just ends up being a head that you like carry on your belt. <laughs> it's so disturbing. And he just like talks the whole time and has these great stories. Yeah. And, and the dialogue is really excellent. Um, how beautiful that you can make a literally a <clears throat> severed talking head mm -hmm. on your belt. Is the comedic relief in the game? Like, how do you pull that off? <laughs> they did it. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And uh, yeah, and I love that it's just this huge story. Like you said, I love I love games with a story. So I'll show you Mamir here, who we were just talking about. Uh, there's there's Mamir. Um, so at one point, you have to cut off his head and take him with you with his permission. He, t he asks you to cut off his head so <laughs> and then you bring him with you. And he's like with you for the whole game. And just the dialogue is hilarious. Um, as long as we're here. So this is Freya. That's, that's who uh, Taylor's wife was dressed up as. She's a witch that you meet um, who is a companion and a helper, but at the end ends up uh, 
We'll, we'll, we'll get into that, but she ends up. We should, way, we should have warned. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> spoilers. We're too late. <laughs> Sorry. Hopefully anybody that's watching this is watching this because they like God of War. It's a game from like two years ago. Exactly. Sorry. By now, if you haven't played it, it's your fault. Yeah, so. it's your fault. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. If you haven't played it, like, <clears throat> what are you doing? Yeah, what seriously. are you doing? Stop and go play. You got like a 10 out of 10 from like every reviewer. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is Balder, who's a guy that, so you're living in your hut with your son and the wife has just died. And her last request is to be buried on the highest peak in the, all the realms. And you and your son are just kind of mourning. And then this guy shows up. And one of my friends, you have this epic fight. One of my friends described it as like the best Superman fight ever. Mm. And it really is. They're just like both you were really strong and like invincible. But uh, anyway, uh, let's get into. Going, going back to that fight just for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 like, I played this game two years ago, and so I you gave me a great excuse to rewatch. I watched like I watched essentially watched the game on YouTube without the act like without the fighting. I just watched the story parts just to kind of refresh myself. One of the great things about that fight, like Atreus doesn't know that his dad is a god, and not only a god, like the god of war who destroyed the Greek pantheon. Like he goes down and he hears all the fighting. He doesn't see a thing because he's hiding under the house, and then he comes out and he's like, "I thought you were dead." But you're alive, and everything around our house, including our house, is destroyed. <laughs> and he's just like, my dad's just strong. Yeah. Like, he, has, he has no clue that he's a god. And, it, and it's funny because, like, re-watching it, I was like, that's how, like, my son sees me. Yeah. Except it's not real in my case. <laughs> you know, like, my dad's the strongest dad in the world. Yeah. You could beat up your dad if your dad was an invincible god. You know, like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was just too funny. Yeah, the kids. It's the funny thing is because kids they don't know enough about the world to not know what's not mm-hmm. normal. The, uh, my dad would always say monkeys in the refrigerator because apparently there was this psychology experiment they did back in the '60s where they would have babies just like open up a refrigerator and sometimes there would be milk inside and sometimes there'd be a monkey in there and the kids reacted the same way each time like they weren't surprised by a monkey because they don't know there's not supposed to be monkeys. Oh, interesting. In the refrigerator, so yeah, my dad's just strong. Yeah, like and it's it's. <laughs> It like I think about like what power I have to like mold my children's you know perception of reality, and that's like an awesome power, and it's like scary, and it's like what makes me pray. Like every time I pray, I write down in my little prayer journal. Like I pray for my kids. It's like, dear God, help me be a good father and not mess them up. And I'm not like an anxious guy really by by nature, but that's something I just being a father. I know I have this weight of responsibility mm-hmm. of. I have such power to to form these children and either raise them in a place where they know the love of a father that is there or they they grow up all sorts of messed up because they they know the unhinged rage of a father or mm. they know the emotional ineptitude of a father instead. Um, so yeah, it's just well, it's just crazy. But you know what? That makes me think about this. I I bet that. You know, based on this conversation and using the analogy of Atreus with Kratos, I bet that we are stronger than what we realize. Mm. And I bet that our kids are not seeing something that isn't there, right? Like using the example of Atreus and Kratos, I think it's the scene right before the big fight um, that Kratos chops down a tree with a hand axe and then literally carries the tree over his shoulder. Like, it's a massive tree. <laughs> he carries it over his shoulder like if it's a two-by-four. Yeah. And I just think Atreus is observing this stuff like, I don't 
I don't think the idea of his dad being strong was foreign to him because in truth, in what he witnessed, his dad was a strong guy. And I would bet that we are so hard on ourselves that we don't even understand the validity of the way that our kids see us. And we aren't just heroes in our kids' eyes because they're naive, that maybe we really are heroes and maybe we should give ourselves credit for that. Aww. Go ahead and cry. <laughs> I'm <gonna> cry. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. But really, though, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing. Like, we shouldn't we shouldn't assume that we suck, even though we are keenly aware of the ways in which we suck. Maybe that doesn't mean we aren't also awesome. Yeah. Wow. You're awesome. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, well, I was talking to my cousin, who's also a gamer, and he was saying, you know, what what made me like scream at this game was there's a moment where Kratos goes to like pat Atreus on the back. And he doesn't. Do you remember that scene? Oh, multiple yeah. He goes, yeah. Multiple moments. And it's like, I know I should have a tender moment there, but he doesn't. And um, I, I feel like m my dad has be became a very tender dad over the years. I think in maybe the early years he, he struggled with this. But I, I wonder why is it that so many men struggle with that sort of tenderness, with that sort of showing affection? Um, you know, because as, as men of faith, like – God, the father is like, he adores us, you know, he loves us. And, but yet we have in our culture, like this idea of masculinity, that's like one man, mm. one desire, you know, this <laughs> rock of unmovable, emotionless, whatever. Like, why do, why do you think that is that it's, it's so hard for us as men sometimes to, to show that tenderness and affection. I think generally uh, we, we have this axiom that is very true. I, th I think there's not in the way that we think it's true, where it's like we can only give what we have received. You know, like, like mm. in, a, in, a, in a very simple way. Like if I gave you a dime, let's say you had no money, you're a beggar on the street. I don't have a, you don't have a dime. You can't give a dime to somebody else. But if I give you a dime, then you have a dime to give, right? And I think emotionally, it's it's the same way, where it's like if we didn't receive love and and tenderness, or like even like you know, there's all the five love, like love languages, and there are dads who are more loving and dads who are less loving. It's but like even the way that we show love and affection is very different. And we can only give that in the way that we have received that. Mm -hmm. And so I think Kratos who like, you know, who, like literally killed his dad, you know, like and had a terrible father who, who didn't do anything for him. Um, that's how, what he received. And all he received like in training was like how to be a military man and how to survive. So all of that stuff, like, that's what he passes on to Atreus at first. Like, all at the beginning of it, it's all about survival and being mm -hmm. a good warrior and yep. learning how to live and survive because practically that's what they need at the time. And he doesn't know how to give the rest of this love until Atreus starts to show him, right? Mm. And, like, I, I noticed, like, there are so many times where it's, like, I, I like when he almost puts his hand on him and he almost embraces him. And, like, the time, the breakthrough right before that was, like, first they get to the, they get to the, top of what they think is the tallest mountain and that's when uh, kratos finally puts his arm around atreus and what had happened right before that was they got in a fight like they mm -hmm. got in a verbal yeah. fight and uh because atreus was just like you don't care about my mother you don't care about me you don't care about anything and the like kratos uh, just says uh don't mistake my silence for lack of grief oh. uh, and and like that just it got me because like that's how i process things right like I I think that's like that's how my dad processes things. Like just internally, I'm gonna be quiet. I'm not gonna like I'm not a like talk out my grief kind of person. Like I'm just gonna deal with it internally. And whether that's healthy or not, it's a whole other discussion. But like that's not how Atreus deals deals with things. He's been trying to talk things out 
with Kratos over and over again. So he's mad at his dad and thinks he doesn't care about him or his mom when we know that Kratos cared deeply for his mom. Mm-hmm. We're not quite sure about Atreus at this point, but he cared deeply for his mother and loved yeah. her. Um, so, so that line, uh, he, he hears that. And then Atreus, like that kind of, that was a big thing where, where like their relationship took a big turn. And that's when, you know, now they're starting to become more father and son because they're understanding each other a little more. I think that's also an interesting question related to like nature versus nurture. That's what, what you just said made me think of. Cause um, I think a lot of times people walk around with the programming that they have assuming, well, this is just who I am. Um, and I've always been this way and whatever, but like that is uh, a criminal, um, you're doing yourself a criminal disservice and you're really not acknowledging that we can change and we can improve and we can heal. And I also think that it, um, we don't want to admit sometimes when we think this is just who I am, this is how I am. We don't want to acknowledge sometimes the wounds that we have that created that version of yourself. Um, because there, there really is no such thing as like genes that are, you know, you think of like people from, you know, Germany get like constantly are referred to as being more stoic and, and more like German Americans rather here, here in the U S like Germanic families are very, you know, oh, we're very stoic and we don't, we're not touchy feely, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, that's not because it's in your genes. That's like a culture you've created where you can't express yourself. You can't express love that way. And you're creating barriers and it works for some people in the sense that they still end up, you know, dying of old age. But mm-hmm. I, I think that that in we, we should always be looking for what is what is the healthiest version of me what is what is the fullest expression of what god created me to be yeah. and we were created to be in a deep and intimate union with each other the body mm-hmm. of christ yeah. and a lot of times these limitations we put on ourselves uh separate us from the body of christ in the in the fullest expression that it could be yeah and i, I love that kratos grows through this yeah. story and uh, atreus does too and even when kratos starts to see atreus taking on some of his making some of the same mistakes he did this mm-hmm. just kind of being corrupted with this power and this violence um and he really has to come to terms with that and the two of them really help each other grow i love what you said that like we have to recognize our wounds and that it's hard for me to give what I never received, as Taylor said. But at the same time, we can't use that as an excuse either. Yeah. Uh, St. Jose, Jose Maria Escriva has a great line where he says, don't tell me it's your character. It's actually your lack of character Oof. that makes you that way. It's like, don't give me excuses and just say, that's just the way I am. It's my character. It's, yeah. like, it's your lack yeah. of character. Don't read Jose Maria Escriva yeah. if you don't want to get punched oh, in the yeah. face. Uh-huh. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Uh, one of, the thing on that and like the thing that I've like, especially like this weekend after I've spent some more time with, with the story and kind of reflecting on that. It's like, I, I think the, the axiom of, uh, we can't give what we don't receive is true. Just not in the way we think it is, mm. is, is kind of what I mentioned earlier. And it's like, it's still true, but it doesn't mean we can't still receive it. Mm. So like in this, in this situation, it's like he, he, he was given a bad father. And, had, mm-hmm. and so he, that's the only way he knows how to see a father. But like for us, it's like, okay, maybe you didn't learn how to love or you didn't learn how to love God or you didn't learn how to be a good husband or father or, or whatever, right? Um, that doesn't mean you can't learn and continue to grow now. Like we can't use that axiom as an excuse, even the, even if it is true, yeah. where it's like, you know, a lot of people have to deal with this if they had trouble with their father. It's like, uh, I like we put all that on God the father and it mm-hmm. takes time and years to realize God the Father is perfect. None yeah. of our fathers are perfect, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what a what a true and perfect father is. We may not have experienced it, but we can still receive it. Whether our, our 
biological dads are still alive or not, we can still receive it from God the Father, Amen. from prayer, but also through other people. Like the way that Kratos grows is through his interactions with his son and with Freya and mm-hmm. with uh, the the dwarves and with all the people that he's grown. Like he like multiple people are there with him uh, to point out his failings as a father. Yeah, and he takes their advice. Yeah, you know, like he, he he hadn't received it before, so he couldn't give it. But then once he receives it, he's able to start adding that in to how he how he interacts with and, he, and he has the humility to receive it that's something that struck me about kratos is he has this deep humility of he, i mean to put it in christian language he knows he's a sinner right like that that uh that passage from jesus where he's like you know two men walked into the temple and the one said i thank you lord that i'm not like other men like that tax collector <laughs> and the tax collector is like oh god have mercy on me a sinner and he doesn't even look up to heaven like kratos is the second guy and that's the guy that jesus says goes away justified because he comes with this contrite heart. Um, and even though all the gods, and I, w- I want to talk about gods with a small G in this game and then talk about God, the father, that's like the next, the next thing I want to talk about here. Um, even though there is no like loving, good, good father, God in this game, I think we still, we still see that Kratos gets grace in a way that's not from the gods, lowercase G because throughout the game, Kratos and him are having this discussion about the gods and the gods just have these powers. And uh, I have a, a quote here where Atreus one time says, is this how it always ends? Sons killing their mothers, sons killing their fathers. And, you know, he, when Atreus starts to realize that he's a god, he's like, we're gods. We can do whatever we want. And he ends up killing one of the demigods that, that is coming after them. And there's that corruption that comes with mm-hmm. the, the great power that they have. And Thomas Aquinas says one of the great temptations um, – and substitutes for God is power that have, you know, power corrupts. And we see that happening with Atreus. We see it happened in the past with Kratos and, and Kratos has learned from that. Um, so I, I definitely see in this game that there's Kratos recognizes that those gods are not like the real gods. There's something higher. It's very much like Plato. I don't know how much philosophy you guys have studied. Did you ever, did you ever have to read the Euthyphro in philosophy class? I hated philosophy so much. I'm not good at it at all. I read okay. one book on platonics and I felt like I mastered it and okay. I moved on. So so for you <laughs> philosophy nerds out there, there is a book by Plato called The Euthyphro and it's Socrates being taken to his trial and he's being put on trial and going to be executed by the, by the Athenian uh, Senate because he's been teaching his disciples – uh, not to worship the Greek gods. And so on the way, the people who are like taking him to jail are asking him like, why didn't, why wouldn't you tell people to follow the gods? They're the gods. Of course you follow the gods. And he's like, because I'm just as good as the gods are. The gods are just like superhuman bullies. They have all these powers, but they they lie just as much as the average human. They're just as deceitful as the average human. I rather follow the good. I follow the highest good. And that's why um, when Christians got their hands on, on, you know, Aristotle and Plato and Socrates, they're like, oh my gosh, Plato's talking about God. He's talking about the highest good, the logos, like the ultimate good in the universe. Um, and I was thinking about that the whole time I was, I was uh, with this game. I was like, Atreus, you go need to go read Plato. That's so interesting to me. And where my mind goes with that is actually a different direction. But um, so Jesus essentially in the God, I mean, actually in, in as much as a, in as many words, he basically um, indicates like we are to become gods with a lowercase G. Mm. Like he says that in the gospel. And I think about, you know, connecting that with like 
um, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. And then I think about also in the resurrection that our bodies, we will be glorified the same way that Jesus was when he resurrected. And this idea of becoming a God takes on a whole new definition because it is in the ancient church uh, and, and still today, especially in like Eastern churches and the Orthodox church, they still talk a lot about this idea of Div divination. Yeah. Divinization, yeah. not divination. Yeah. Divination <laughs> is bad. Um, <laughs> that's, that's something different. <laughs> divinization uh, is actually a beautiful teaching that is, is rooted very much in the teachings directly from Jesus. This idea that we do ascend, not in the ascension sense, but we ascend in, in what our being, there's a bunch of cat hair everywhere. We ascend in our being, like we ascend to a new level of existence and of, of dignity. <laughs> cat hair. Ugh, sorry guys. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and to me, what's, what's interesting. So it's beautiful, but it's also dangerous because essentially if you, you know, you do a couple translations here, like the idea is that Christians are meant to be gods with a lowercase g. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that Kratos and Atreus are being turned off by these demigods mm -hmm. and by the gods, um, like, it's so easy. Like, I think about Mahatma Gandhi and Mahatma Gandhi. What, how do you say that? I think it's Mahatma. I think Mahatma? I right, Did I got yeah. it? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Mahatma Gandhi said, I like, your, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Mm -hmm. And imagine, Amen. imagine Amen. if he couldn't say that. Imagine if we didn't suck so much. Yeah. What if we had a Saint Gandhi today? Yeah. Can you imagine? And and how many more conversions would happen if we sucked just a little bit less? Mm. Um, and I just think that's a very powerful and convicting idea. Now, uh, flipping back to the positive light of, of this idea of divinization, like, first of all, if you're being divinized, you don't suck as much, right? The idea is you're improving. Yeah. Um, but I think it's actually a really interesting part of what I latched onto as a kid when I got into God of War. Um, because you have this guy who's just a guy, and he grows in power gifted to him from the gods, and he ultimately becomes a god. And I, and I, I always, you know, I think that there's this part of all of us innately that we are very being acknowledges that we are called to something more. We're called to be something more. Mm -hmm. And stories like this that see um, the protagonist ascend in what they are to something greater, um, I think we get really engaged and intrigued by that because we know that's what we want, even if we haven't articulated that fully in our own minds. And it's a hunger in all of us because we're all meant for that. Mm -hmm. That's the destiny for every single one of us. Yeah. He was one of us that became something more, like yeah. the Saints, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Like Carlo, one of us, literally played PlayStation, probably played God <laughs> right. of War at some point. Yeah, he yeah, probably yeah. did. One of us. <laughs> you know what? Let's uh, let's get him on the next episode about this. So for those yeah. who don't know who Blessed Carlo is, um, do either of you know enough to give a short little thing about who he was? He's a, he's a blessed that played PlayStation. <laughs> so he was a computer science like genius, and he he knew computers, programming, and also was really into video games. But he went to mass every single day, prayed daily rosary. Um, and do you know anything beyond that? Uh, he died like the age of eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, he was like super that. young. Yeah, and he just got named a blessed, which is like one like he just needs like one more thing to become a saint and be canonized a saint in the Catholic yeah, Church. He was yeah. alive when we were alive. Yeah, he played PlayStation Two. It's unbelievable. That's so insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. One of us. <laughs> yeah. um, what you talking about divinization makes me think of from the Psalms where it says, Oh Lord, you have made us a little bit less than the gods. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and also in the garden, what is the great lie that the serpent tells Eve? Oh, mm. eat the fruit 
and you will become like gods. And why is that a lie? Because God just told them you are made in my image and likeness like a chapter before that. They were already going to be like We were literally made to be like him. And so what we get there is exactly what you see in God of War is you see there's this other way of being like the gods, lowercase g, who were just like superhuman bullies who are lording their power over them. But then you have the real God, the real father, which is what Kratos learns to be like. He learns to be the good, good father God. He learns to be the the the, oh, the tender. Now I'm gonna picture his face every time somebody <laughs> sings that song. It's who you are. You're the good, good Kratos God. It's who you That's are. incredible. Oh my gosh. Oh, we're going to hell. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. 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 Okay. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I want to talk a little bit about um the use of violence and in in killing in this game because it's really really interesting i mean most of the time you're you're hacking up monsters right but there are a few times where you're fighting like actual people and you kill them and that's even more so in the earlier games yeah yeah because in the earlier games there's there are you're in much uh, more densely populated like cities and stuff um, in the newer game or in the new game, uh, you're you're in the middle of nowhere, so that's almost a non-issue. But yeah. yeah, so there's just there's this idea that he's teaching Kratos to hunt right in the beginning. And, uh, Atreus. Uh, yeah, Kratos is teaching Atreus, sorry, to hunt in the beginning, and then they start getting attacked by monsters, and then they start getting attacked by these demigods or these these lowercase g gods, and um, Kratos has this great speech and maybe one of you who, who watched the cutscenes more recently than I will, will remember exactly what he says, but he says something about like, we don't kill just for the heck of it or something like that. We only kill, um, survive. we only kill to survive. Is that what he Close says? Close your heart to it, boy. <laughs> we only kill to survive. <laughs> You're so good at that. <laughs> can, you, can you give me your, your best Kratos impression? I meant to do that. No, I'm not right? going to follow that. You're That's not going to follow that. I, I love just every time in the game where somebody would say something and Kratos would just be like, hmm. Yeah. And that's all they'd say. It's so funny. Like my, two of my favorite characters ever. Like two of my like my next favorite games, The Witcher Three, and both of those characters answer almost every question yeah. with a grunt, and it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, have y'all seen the video? Uh, it's a compilation of every time Kratos says "boy" in the game, and it's oh like minutes long. <laughs> boy, boy, boy. Boy, come here, boy. It's so that. great. We'll, we'll put it's that. So we'll sad. find it. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, that must have been so annoying for uh, what's his name? I think he goes by TCK or something like that. The guy that did the voice for Kratos in the new game, um, like to sit in studio and have to say "boy" that many times. And there were probably a million more times he said it that they ended up not keeping or something. Like that must See, have been. You, you think it's a bad thing? I think it's tremendous to be paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to repeat <laughs> one word and grunt. You're not wrong. You're not, I would do that. I guess. <laughs> that's amazing actually speaking of the voiceover artists so did you guys know that the guy that did the voice in this game is not the same guy that did the voice in all the other games i didn't know that yeah so tc carson so so the the new guy i I think he goes by tck or something like that um he looks like that voice makes sense like Mm -hmm. he's a massive guy super muscular i think he might have dreadlocks like when you hear that voice you're like and you see the face, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The previous one, T.C. Carson, is this super scrawny guy, mm-hmm. and it does not match <laughs> at all. It does not match. I could not believe my eyes when I saw that the first time. 
Uh, so we're we're almost out of time here. So are there are there other things about this game that you just love that 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 you think are amazing that you want to make sure we talk about before we're done here? Yeah. So there's one like my favorite thing during the first time I played through the game, and then like I was tearing up this weekend watching it again because I think I didn't fully recognize this the first time I played through it. So. Kratos has this thing called Spartan Rage. It's essentially like oh, his yeah. overpower. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you're in danger, whenever you're running out of health, mm-hmm. especially in the cutscenes, like when he's about to die, like Thor's sons are about to kill him, the Baldur's about to kill him. He uses this Spartan Rage where essentially he just becomes invincible mm-hmm. for like 20 seconds. And he's he he puts away his weapons and he's, his punches are the most powerful things. And there's two times. One when he's fighting Baldur, he needs to save his own life. There's another time where he uses it to, that he uses it twice to save his own life, once against the elves and once against uh, Thor's sons. And this is at a point in the game where, like, Atreus and, and Kratos are still figuring it out. Like, they mm-hmm. still don't really know how to interact with each other. They're, they're, it's still pretty early in their transformation. And uh, Atreus uh, doesn't really know. He, he doesn't know that he's a god. Mm-hmm. Kratos hasn't told him yet. He's, he's half god and half giant, which is a spoiler for the end of the game. But he's wow. super powerful. Like th- this kid's super powerful, right? He's uh, ten years old, doesn't know. So there's two things here. He's conflicted because he doesn't know his true essence. He doesn't know truly what it is, what he is. But so after, uh, like Atreus has watched Kratos do this twice to save his life, and then at one point uh, the fight's almost over, and one of one of Thor's sons comes back, and he's using like uh, essentially like you know if you think Thor's hammer like the electric hammer. He's got some other weapon that's shooting electricity through it, and he's killing Kratos. And what does Atreus do? He gets up and tries to use Spartan Rage. And what's crazy is that it works for about a second. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. then he collapses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Kratos you know, gets up. He does it himself, and he's able to – because at that point, now his son's in danger, mm-hmm. right? So he gets up and does it. But it was this amazing thing. And, like, we were talking about parenting earlier and why this meant so much. is like, like my, I've seen it mostly with my son just because he's older, but my daughters are the same thing. They they see so much, especially in the times that really matter. Like mm-hmm. he he knows that yeah. his dad saved his life multiple times by using that Spartan Rage, and he sees his dad in danger. This guy who they're still trying to figure it out, where both of them are are willing to protect each other at any cost, but they don't really feel anything for each mm-hmm. other. And that was the the first moment of like breakthrough, or one of the big moments of breakthrough where Atreus literally tries to do the same thing that he saw his mm-hmm. father do. And that I, like for better or worse, our kids are seeing what we're doing. And like, you know, like so if if you're listening to this and you have your own kids, that's really true as a parent. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're, my my kids uh imitate me for better and worse. Like they have said things they shouldn't say that I have said. They have yeah. done things they shouldn't have done that I have done, but they've also they learned the prayer. They learned the Our Father and the Hail Mary, but not. Nah, I didn't teach them. They just mm-hmm. heard me say it. Yeah. Uh, they they learned what to do in mass. They learned like the three year old knows to put her hands together in prayer. We didn't teach them that. Yeah. They just they just see it. They watch. Um, and, and they're picking up everything. And uh, I just thought that was really cool that Atreus tried to do what his father did mm-hmm. to save his father at that point. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then but- and then the second thing um was like that like Atreus's conflict of not knowing who he is mm-hmm. like it literally starts to kill him yeah um mm-hmm. it, like he, he's literally dying because he's a god and a, mm-hmm. and a giant but the god part's the most important at this point he doesn't know he's a god and so 
he, like he's confused he's looking mm-hmm. at his dad like we were talking about he's like i don't really get it you know like there's mm-hmm. something going on here i'm everybody i meet is a god so like what's going on <laughs> it's know, kind like, of like how you know every you know adolescent feels when they start going through puberty it's like what is this <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is happening to me <laughs> Uh, That's awesome. So uh, yeah, every other sentence they sound like Kratos, and then every other sentence yeah. they sound like Atreus. <laughs> <laughs> but like, literally, that conflict is killing him. And yeah. and I start thinking, like, you know, like you were talking earlier, Nick, like like how if we look at ourselves as terrible, it's not good. It's not who we are. If we look at ourselves as the best God's gift to Earth, that's not true either. We're somewhere. Yeah. We're somewhat both. We're somewhat stuck in both worlds, just like Atreus is. Um, but if we don't know our true nature, that we are created in the image and likeness of God, that we are mm-hmm. called to be uh, the divin, divin, the the good word of divinization, Which one's the good one? <laughs> divinization, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like we're called to be like God. That's who we're created to be. So when we're not doing that, like we feel that conflict that Atreus mm-hmm. did, like we're not being who we are, who we truly are. Um, so yeah, like both of those things, like there's just so much meta out of that. Yeah. That, um, that yeah, it was. That story mean, means a lot to me. Well, but what you said about the um, the way that they observe us and what happened with the Spartan rage and stuff, you know, it is true. Like they're observing all of our bad habits, but they're also observing all of, all of the good that we do. And I think that that, to me, it's less. I, I choose to look at that less dauntingly and more exciting. Like I'm excited that I have the ability. Um, if I live a virtuous life to the best of my ability, I'm excited that I have the ability to exponentially impact the world by spreading virtue to my children when they observe that in me and they want to live out virtue as well. Um, and, and I, I feel like we also kind of like, you know, not being hard on ourselves with the other thing, like with this, we should, we should be excited by the prospect of living virtuously and spreading virtue through our children when they want to mimic us. Um, so just want to throw that in there. She's there's really cat hair floating everywhere. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry you guys didn't get to see the cat. Yeah, he was super adorable right there. The whole the whole episode. Nick, is anything else from this game that you just want to highlight and just you you love? Um, from a from a intellectual or philosophical level, no. But I I will say that I loved the new gameplay mechanics in the new mm-hmm. game. So um, cool. I thought that the old gameplay mechanics were getting a little tired, and I think that they made the right. I, I was very trepidatious about whether or not I would like it. Like, I, I wasn't sure that they made the right move when I saw the trailer and the gameplay trailer. But I think they made, you know, that was a great pivot. Um, and I think it was super engaging. And uh, that was a very, you know, unmeaningful comment from me. But there it is. No, I think it's 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 great. Um, I, I love the, the things you, you guys mentioned. Two other things that I loved was one, when uh, Kratos, he, they get to like the, the middle of the elf hive and he like goes into this like crystal and he has a vision of his wife and Kratos and uh, Atreus is left outside and he's only in there for like 30 seconds and then Atreus pulls him out. But then there's just like elf corpses everywhere yeah. and he's like Atreus is like, you left me, you left me. And he was like, I was only in there for a moment. He was like, no. You were gone for a long time, <laughs> a long time, and you start to get like, oh, maybe Atreus is kind of like there's something more to this kid, and just you saw the pain of like feeling like he was abandoned by his father. Yeah. Just that moment just hit me so hard. I don't know if there's anything deeper there, but it, I, I love that moment. Um, and the other how thing, long, I, how long was I gone? A hundred and fifteen <laughs> dead elves. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
the other thing I was going to say is I love that Kratos eventually, we talked about this a little bit already, but the fact that he grows and he learns to come clean with his son mm. in that moment when he finally tells his son, this is who I was. It's not who I am anymore. That's like, this is the mistake that I made. And I see, you know, I, I, I get this when I was a high school teacher, I'd get this from parents sometimes, you know, when we talk about sex or drinking or whatever, and they'd be like, how much do we tell our kids about like what we did, you know? And you know, I, I said, you know, you got to judge that on your own as a parent. But, uh, you know, I, I said, I, I think at, at some point you can have a mature conversation with, with your child and you, you don't just say, yeah, I did all this bad stuff. Not that all of us did bad stuff, but, um, probably we all did Josh, some bad Mike, stuff. What'd you do? <laughs> probably we all did some bad stuff <laughs> after the cameras off, earlier, why not now? after the cameras <laughs> off, we can, we can, we can put the fingers down and play. Never have I ever, um, oh my gosh. But just I, I I love that he he finds the right moment to tell his son this is who I am and this is why I'm this sort of parent and I'm trying to guide you away from that because this is what it cost me and you know no it's it's not it didn't damage me forever that I made these mistakes you know I, I am I am I'll remember that always and I'll carry that with me but I can move past it and I want you to not have to deal with that and I I, I think it's a really good model for for parents to you know you don't have to be afraid of those conversations. Like those conversations are so important. I remember conversations my own parents had with me sometimes just the, the where they, they talk about real stuff and they treat you like an adult. Mm -hmm. And those are so important and they're awkward, but having awkward conversations is part of being an adult. Mm -hmm. And if you don't learn to have them and if your parents don't teach you to have them, then it's really hard for you. So I just, I love that that was there. In the oh, end, what are you talking so. about? I, I don't, I don't, I think all adults are great at awkward conversations. <laughs> You've seen that perfectly on the internet in the last year. Yeah. I, 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 I disagree, sir. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, very, very cool. I think, I think we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for being here. I love all the stuff that you're doing, but please tell, tell the people, uh, what you're doing and where they can find you. Yeah. So, uh, everything is at fortecatholic.com F O R T E. Uh, the musicians in the crowd know that that means loud cause I can get pretty loud every now and then. Uh, yeah. Weekly podcasts. Uh, our, our goal is to make Catholicism fun again, bring the joy of the gospel Back into Catholicism, I grew up where Catholicism was very boring and didn't it wasn't exciting. So uh, we're trying to uh, I'm trying to give what I didn't receive. I guess nice. is what I'm trying to do. Beautiful. Um, awesome. So yeah, it, weekly podcasts, uh, YouTube, uh, Forte, everything Forte Catholic everywhere. Nice. Yay. Very cool. I love it. Thank you, Nick. Where can the beautiful people find you? And the ugly people too. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> don't leave anyone out. <laughs> um. AwakenCatholic.org and uh, NickAndalina.com. Uh, that's Nick, A-N-D-A-L-I-N-A.com. Awesome. I'm Mike Tenney. You can find me at MikeTenneyMusic.com. You follow me on social media at PK Mikey T. And uh, this has been Pop Culture Catechism on Awaken Catholic. You can go to AwakenCatholic.org for more. Uh, you can support this show and all the other shows on Awaken Catholic by going to AwakenCatholic.org and joining the Awaken Nation. Uh, we do... Uh, a lot of shows. We also do in-person events. Well, when we're allowed to do in-person events, right. <laughs> but you could uh, bring us to, to, to run an event at your parish or your diocese, something like that. So, and we were, we're all run off of donations. So please make a one-time or a recurring donation is even better. And you join the awakened nation and get, uh, you know, exclusive content. Uh, you can download the awaken app, 
by going to theawakenapp.io and you have access to all the shows there. And again, if you're part of the Awaken Nation, you get more content there. You can also support us by downloading the Halo app through our website, halo.app slash awaken and getting that free month of premium. And then of course, if you liked this show, then actually click the like button, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube. Um, you know, subscribe on your podcast app, give us a rating, give us a review, share it with people who you think would enjoy it. All that stuff helps us. Thank you so much for being with us and we will see you next time. Ciao. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.